We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media. We are partnered with 440 Sports, and here we are today to talk about the Titans offseason. we got a little bit of news to get to. We're going to talk about some coaching rumors and hirings going around the AFC South, and then we're going to ask this question. How do the Titans catch up to these teams with a young rising star or superstar quarterback? Because... On the heels of the Tom Brady retirement announcement, which finally became official on Tuesday morning, we have the this like graphics being tweeted all around the timeline. It's like the future of the NFL is in great hands, and it's like all these young quarterbacks who all play in the AFC. We're going to talk about how the Titans can catch up to them. But first, Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I think it's the longest you've ever gone without introducing me. I think you're really excited for today's show. A little excited, a little distracted. There's some stuff going on in my house, so apologies if you hear anything in the background while I'm talking. I'll mute while I'm not talking, but we'll see what happens this episode. I was, I was waiting to do the Chris Collinsworth, you know, shuffle into the screen, and you just kept me kept me waiting there. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, I'm Justin Graver. This is Justin Mello. We host this show. You know that by now because you guys tune in every week. If you're listening in the off season. You're a dedicated listener, and we appreciate you, so thanks for coming back. Three Titans named to the Pro Bowl as alternates. Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons, and Roger Saffold all joining Kevin Byard on the AFC Pro Bowl roster. I think well-deserved for all three of these guys. Any thoughts? Yeah, definitely well-deserved, and, and great news for them. I mean, first off, you got Jeffrey Simmons, who had a, a career year, eight and a half sacks, was unblockable, right, as, as an interior defensive line, was arguably the best, if not uh, if not the best, the second best interior defensive lineman in all of football uh, in 2021. Obviously, Aaron Donald, uh, you know, is always going to nearly top that list. But Simmons was terrific this year, and, and I'm glad he gets to go because I don't know if our listeners know this or not, but he's replacing Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and, and before the Chiefs lost to the Bengals, it was kind of put out there that Simmons may only get an opportunity to go to the Pro Bowl if the Chiefs um, – uh, went to the Super Bowl, right? So they didn't go to the Super Bowl. So you thought for a second there, Simmons may have lost his opportunity, uh, but then Chris Jones ends up pulling out with an injury. Uh, you can't be happier for Roger Saffold, a 12-year pro making his first trip to the Pro Bowl, well-deserved. Kind of crazy to think that he's never been there before, right? Given that he's been one of the better uh, performing guards in, in the NFL over the last decade, he replaces Quentin Nelson. Really happy for Roger Saffold to get this experience. And obviously, you know, Harold Landry with all those sacks this year certainly deserves to go as well. So four Titans now in the Pro Bowl. Tennessee will be well represented uh, there. And not to mention uh, Mike Vrabel. <laughs> Mike Vrabel and the Titans coaching staff uh, will be coaching the game as well. So unfortunately, uh, lots of Titans at the Pro Bowl, right? Because you wish they were at the Super Bowl and they weren't there, but uh, they were the one seed. So with them not going to the Super Bowl, there's obviously going to be a lot of them there at the Pro Bowl. Right. And just some notes from NFL Research Department on those guys. Roger Saffold finished, uh, well, obviously part of the Titans offensive line that finished fifth in the NFL in rushing yards per game and tied for third in rushing touchdowns with most of the production coming, obviously, with Derrick Henry missing most of the year. So 
Credit to the offensive line for the run blocking there. Jeffrey Simmons, uh, eight and a half sacks, 16 quarterback hits, 12 tackles for loss, and six pass deflections or batted balls, which is pretty high impressive number. Part of that Tennessee defensive line that was the only team to have three players with eight plus sacks this season. The other two obviously being Danico Autry and Harold Landry, who led the Titans with 12 sacks. He had 22 quarterback hits, 14 tackles for loss, led the team in sacks, QB hits, and tackles for loss. So kudos to all three of those guys. Another little bit of news I want to talk about is that Jim Schwartz apparently has interviewed for the defensive coordinator position for the Indianapolis Colts. However, a report from, was it Aaron Wilson? I think somebody had a report that the Aaron Colts Aaron Wilson, have, yeah, who's now with the Col- Pro Football Network. Right. The Colts are not targeting Jim Schwartz for that position. They are looking at defensive backs coach for the Washington football team. I think his name is Chris Harris and he's a former NFL player. Right, right. And the news here really is it's not much news, but it's that the Titans will likely be retaining Jim Schwartz in whatever role he held for the defense last year. No official announcement from the Colts yet with Chris Harris, but signs seem to be pointing that way. So the Titans will likely be retaining Jim Schwartz here and keep their coaching staff intact as the Houston Texans and Jacksonville Jaguars search what appears to be aimlessly for their next head coach. I've got a lot to say about that search. Can I can I chime in? First of all, I mean, what what the heck is happening in Jacksonville? I mean, you have reports that are what nearly a week and a half, two weeks old now that they were finalizing a deal with Byron Leftwich to make him the next head coach. Here we are, something seven to twelve days later, no announcement on Leftwich, and and apparently again, now I'm I'm speculating here. I'm not going to pretend that I have insider's knowledge into Jacksonville's head coaching search, but there were rumors that Leftwich did not want to work with general manager Trent Balky, right? Who, who maintains his position there in Jacksonville. If you're not familiar with Balky and, and you might be uh, terrible reputation, right? It was in San Francisco. He ran Jim Harbaugh out of town there uh, when Harbaugh went back to Michigan and the 49ers kind of plummeted for a couple of years, horrible uh, uh, track record of drafting in San Francisco. Balky has known as a very difficult man and personality to work alongside with. He gets the job in Jacksonville as more of a caretaker. Let's be honest, because Urban Meyer had full roster control there. Well, Meyer's obviously no longer in the picture. I guess now Balky probably has to do more of a job as a general manager and left, which is, you know, I don't know that left, which is going to get roster control in the first year as being a head coach, but left, which give him credit because wisely enough, is, is reportedly does not want to work uh, for Balky, does not want him to be his GM. I always thought if Balky was going to stay in Jacksonville, that it would probably have to be a first-year head coach or a first-time head coach as well, and I'll tell you why. Anyone who's privy to the inner workings of this league and, and, and has had an opportunity before will be very careful with their second opportunity because you, you typically don't get a third, right? So any of these guys, Doug Peterson, uh, Jim Harbaugh, who, who may return to the NFL as well, it seems, probably wasn't going to want to tie their second and last opportunity to Trent Balky. So it's probably going to have to be a first-year head coach. Well, Leftwich is, is wiser than that. He apparently doesn't want to work for Balky. Apparently, he wanted to handpick the next general manager, which was going to be Adrian Wilson, a former player and current executive with the Arizona Cardinals. Leftwich and Wilson go back uh, quite a while to their, to their shared playing games. That announcement hasn't happened yet. And now you have Jacksonville interviewing other candidates, right? They interviewed uh, uh, Doug Peterson, I believe. They interviewed Vic Fangio, apparently, who, by the way, and this may not shock you, has a shared history with Trent Baalke. They were in San Francisco together when, when Fangio was the defensive coordinator there. So, again, I am, I'm speculating here 
but interviewing Vic Fangio, who Balky knows, this screams that Balky is still trying to save his own job. He's trying to pull rank. He's trying to kill the leftwich stuff and interview and sorry, interview and hire a client of his choosing that would allow him to keep his job. This search is a sham. It is, it is, it is, it's been terribly conducted. And then I, we don't really know what Shad Khan is, is doing because re- remember that he backed Trent Balky, right? He said that they were going to retain him as general manager. That's when the pressure from the fan base came and they showed up in all those clown outfits for their week 18 finale against the Colts. So this is, this is crazy what's happening in Jacksonville right now. It seems really ugly and, and who knows how it's going to, how it's going to turn out. Not to mention you want to talk about how bad this search is. They wanted to interview Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, but they can't right now because they missed the window to make their request. I mean, what more evidence do you need that this search is disastrous right now? It doesn't make any sense. Your guess, how this is going to shape out your guess is as good as anyone's because is Leftwich going to win out and become that coach and get his own GM or is bulky going to maintain power there and potentially get his own uh, make his own hire that sees uh, left, which refused to come. Now we get to the <laughs> the Houston Texans search, which I don't know uh, is any better, right? I mean, they've interviewed Josh McCowan for Wait, before a you sec- move on. Sorry, before you move on, I just want to comment more on Balky because sorry, I think yeah, that go ahead. His, he's one of the most interesting villains in the NFL right now. And the fact that he's still employed by anyone is crazy. If we go back to when he was with San Francisco, which you mentioned there, in 2014, Jim Harbaugh was the coach, right? Jim Harbaugh and Trent Baalke famously clashed on many things about running the team, which eventually led to Jim Harbaugh being fired or dismissed or, or leaving or whatever happened there. Then they promote Jim Tomsula to head coach. He lasts one year before he's gone. Then they hire Chip Kelly as head coach. He lasts one year before he's gone and him and Kelly – or sorry, him and Balky, Chip Kelly and Balky got fired together – and uh, this is coming off of Balky being named executive of the year for the 2011 season, but things be- turned into a major disaster. There's been reports of power struggles. Um, a little peek behind the curtain. Part of my job, I edit the Total Access the Locker Room podcast with Michael Robinson and uh, Mike Garofolo for the NFL. And on a recent episode, not, not a f- just a few weeks ago, they had Delaney Walker on as a guest, actually. I was kind of excited to edit this episode. What's Delaney Walker going to say about whatever, playing in the NFL, whatever. Delaney Walker and Michael Robinson were teammates for a little bit in San Francisco under Balky. And when Delaney Walker eventually ended up signing with the Titans when he was a free agent that year, he apparently went to Balky and, and told him how much money he wanted to make and how much money the Titans had offered him. And Balky apparently said... You're a second string tight end. You're not a starter in this league. No one's offering you that starter money. If you can find that, then I don't even believe you. Like, go take it because you're definitely not worth that to us here or something. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. And apparently he had told Michael Robinson something extremely similar. Michael Robinson went on and talked a bunch of trash about Balky before Robinson ended up going from San Francisco to division rival Seahawks. So, I mean, as a Titans fan... Hope that Trent Baalke maintains control in Jacksonville for as long as possible because he is an absolute disaster. And I, it wouldn't be the first first round, first overall quarterback pick that he like quote unquote ruined either because Alex Smith was famously put through the ringer with offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator before eventually being shipped out of town. So anyway, yes, back over to you. 
a couple of things I'll say on that before I get to my rant on the Houston Texans search, but um, I'm glad you're able to share that information. It, it prompts me to share. And I, of course I won't reveal any names, but I've had a lot of talks with current NFL scouts, former NFL scouts uh, that are familiar with bulky and no one's got a good thing to say about it. <laughs> just, I, I have yet to come across a scout that likes Trent bulky right? or, or a former NFL scout. Even I'll say that likes, Trent bulky, even ones who have worked for the 49ers in the past. So uh, very difficult man to work with is what I consistently hear uh, to work with and to work for. And if you really think about it, going back, I mean, it, it, San Francisco is still a great franchise today, Super Bowl appearances, NFC championship game appearances. Um, but what a mess that was, right? Can you imagine choosing bulky over Jim Harbaugh? I, I think Jim Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in all of football, had a terrific run with the 49ers. And I hope he comes back to the NFL. And there's rumors he will shortly, maybe with the Minnesota Vikings, but can you imagine choosing bulky over, over Jim Harbaugh on top of it, that I'm, I'm glad you brought up Jim Tomstila's name. That had to be one of the worst head coaching hires of the last two decades, right? I mean, everyone saw that coming that he was going to last just a year, but moving on to the Houston Texans, what the hell is going on in Houston? They just interviewed former NFL quarterback, Josh McCowan for the second time this cycle for their vacant head coaching position. This is, by the way, the third overall interview that McCowan has had with the Texans because he interviewed once last year uh, before they hired David Cawley. Jack Asterby, NFL, you want to talk about a villain in the NFL? You're talking about Boggy? Jack Asterby, Pastor Jack, whatever they refer to him it's, as. Isn't it Easterby? I think it's Easterby. Easterby, sorry. Jack Easterby, pardon me really wants to hire Josh McCowan and he's doing a really bad job hiding the fact that that's what he wants to do. I mean, they interviewed him a second time. Now I think it was Mike Florio of pro football talk put out a hilarious story that said the Houston Texans really want another team to interview Josh McCowan. So it looks like they hired a guy that was sought after, right? So they don't look absolutely ridiculous for hiring Josh McCowan. Now the Josh McCowan, I don't even know what to, how to phrase this or how to word it, but Josh McCowan's newfound popularity in Houston strikes me as really strange because you would look at this relationship with Easterby and you would assume that they go way back. But it's really hard to figure out and fathom where this even came from because I actually had to write a story on this for the Draft Network about a week ago and I dove into the background and I don't know where this... I mean, you, I, I do and I don't because... McCowan, by the way, last played professionally in the NFL for the Houston Texans. Now that happened in November of 2020 when he signed to their active roster. I believe he was on the practice squad of the Philadelphia Eagles at the time. The Texans had some injuries in the quarterback position, yada, yada. They plucked McCowan off the Eagles practice squad again. This is November of 2020. This happened, by the way, just one month after Easterby assumed interim general manager duties, right? Following Bill O'Brien's firing. Probably not a coincidence. You'd have to assume Easterby, of course, as the GM at the time, had a large role in bringing McCowan over. Now, again, to my knowledge, and I, I did quite a bit of research, they, they, they didn't, you know, they never came across each other when Easterby was in New England and, and, and everywhere else. McCowan was never there. I'm not saying it's impossible that they knew each other. Obviously, both being employed in the NFL, it's very possible. But the point is, until Easterby um, signed Josh McCowan to the Texans roster in November of 2020, they had never been at the same organization together. 
The relationship between the two of them clearly blossomed from there. McCowan was often praised as a great teammate and even a father-like figure within a, a, a tough Texans locker room that was doing a lot of losing at the time. McCowan would land his first of two head coaching interviews with the Texans less than three months later. How does that happen? He was playing for them in November of 2020. And in January of 2021, he was interviewing for their head coaching job. No previous coaching experience. How that happens is beyond me. Look, by all accounts, McCowan was a great leader in that locker room and a great NFL player that was really well-liked, and he might make a fine head coach someday. But he has never coached yet. How about he goes coach at the collegiate level? Why doesn't he want, or make him a quarterback's coach or, or something, right? The fact that he went from playing in November of 2020 to interviewing for the head coaching job in January of 2021 it's, it's staggering. It's unfathomable, right? I mean, what, what the heck was happening there? Now, the Texans obviously didn't hire him. They hired David Cauley instead. But here we are a year later, and he still hasn't coached anywhere, by the way. He hasn't, he's, he hasn't experienced, you know, I think he coached or had a role in his son's high school team for a little bit. We're not going to really count that as coaching because you got to go to the collegiate ranks, you know, or, or be an offensive quality control assistant in the NFL, a quarterback coach, something that really qualifies as coaching experience. Currently the an offensive assistant at Rush High School in Rusk, Texas. Where his son <laughs> play, by the way. So yeah. that's so I don't know if you heard what I said because I saw you walk away there for a second as I ranted, but he went, yeah, he went from playing in November of 2020 to interviewing for the head coaching job in January of 2021, just three months later. It's For the astounding. head coaching job, like I don't think we can emphasize this enough. Like Mike Vrabel is somebody who went from playing to coaching rather quickly, but even he went back to college, did a few years as a yes. position coach, came to the NFL, did a few years as a position coach, finally did a year as a coordinator, and then yes. got the head coaching job. And that was a fast timeline. This Josh McCown thing is is astronomically it's I, light speed. I need a documentary on the three month period between November 2020 and January 2021 of what McCowan did for that Texans franchise that he so quickly developed this incredible relationship with Easterby. Because let's be honest, this is Easterby who's pulling the strings. This is not Nick Casario doing this. Nick Casario, who actually, I almost feel bad for the guy because I don't know if you remember Casario before he got to Houston, but he had this great reputation. He's going to be a future general manager. He did such good work in New England for so long. And now it's kind of like, how much you know control does he really have with Easterby there? It's a question no one knows. Casario con consistently tries to downplay Easterby's role uh, and how much power he has in Houston, but he's not really fooling anyone when they're interviewing Josh McCowan. Again, he's the one who first signed McCowan when he was the GM, right? Remember that. He took over GM duties from Bill O'Brien one month before McCowan came to Houston. So this is just incredible, right? And it really feels like they might make that higher. I mean... He probably got talked out of it a year ago when they hired David Cauley, but here he is again a year later, and now McCowan's got two more interviews. That's three interviews in about a 12, 13-month period. He, and that story by Florio on Pro Football Talk is freaking hilarious. If you haven't read it, say what you want about Florio. He's obviously incredibly plugged in. He's been doing this for a long time. They're hoping someone else interviews him just so they don't look like fools for hiring him. I mean, this search is it, – it, it's actually crazier – than the Jacksonville one that I just spent 10 minutes dragging through the mud.
Yeah, it's wild. Um, that pretty much sums up where we are in the AFC South. But I know you wanted to comment here a little bit on as we talk about catching up and the Titans catching up to other teams around the AFC. I mean, the Titans beat a lot of AFC playoff teams. They beat eight teams that finished with winning records this past season. So the Titans were a very good team, but they haven't since 2019. They haven't gotten over the hump. They haven't made it past the AFC championship game, despite playing in one and hosting a home playoff game and getting a first round bye. like they've had the chances here. Hosting two, two home, home playoff, playoff games. games, technically. You look around the league and you say, where do the Titans have an advantage over some of these teams that have all these young quarterbacks, the Joe Burrows, the Justin Herberts, Patrick Mahomes, all these, Josh Allen. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You think they have at least one advantage in when it comes to staff continuity, maybe? Yeah, it's something I wanted to bring up on this episode because, and this probably won't be a very popular talking point, and I welcome you into my mentions, drag me through the mud, you do whatever you like. The Bengals fan base had a lot of fun doing it the other day when I when I called game a little too early on the, on the Chiefs AFC Championship game, but um, continuity, I, I do think, can be a good thing for, for staffs. Now, I'm going to bring you back to a year ago, and I know a lot of you don't like Todd Downing. I, I get that. And I've said, I think I said a week or two ago, we talked about Downing. I'm indifferent on Downing, right? If, if they were to let him go, sure. If they keep him, sure. It, it obviously looks like they're going to keep him at, at this point, but continuity, right? Todd Downing, the job d- that he did in 2021 was certainly not worse than what Shane Bowen did in 2020, right? I think everyone, even the biggest of Downing haters, you'd be silly to not agree on that. Mike Vrabel stuck by Shane Bowen. Titans defense got a lot better in 2021. Vrabel looks like a genius for that decision. You hope, if you're a Titans fan, you hope that 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 decision or the decision to keep downing works out in similar fashion, right? They're going to keep downing. You hope that the Titans offense gets a lot better in 2022. And Vrabel again looks smart for keeping downing when public pressure would lead one to think that um, he would have been better off firing downing. You look around the AFC. Uh, In terms of continuity, the Titans should have somewhat of a leg up on some of these other teams. And I think it's a a slept on talking point that hasn't been discussed. And I wanted to briefly bring it up. Uh, The New England Patriots, who the Titans obviously lost to during the regular season and the the Patriots were a playoff team and probably will be a playoff team for the next couple of years, uh, lost their offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels, who, as you said, is heading over to Vegas to be the new head coach. Say what you will about McDaniels, obviously the sham that he pulled in Indianapolis, the first gig didn't go so well for him in Denver. I think we can all agree Josh McDaniels is a pretty good offensive coordinator, uh, has won a ton of Super Bowls there, and New England will probably miss him. So that's a point for Titans in the continuity department over the Patriots. You look at look inside your own division with the Indianapolis Colts. Hey, we've already touched on the coaching searches in Houston and Jacksonville. Let's get to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they just lost their defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, I believe it's pronounced, who uh, is becoming the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Throughout the years, I think, um, or, uh, you know, obviously sharing a division with Indianapolis, keeping tabs on them, and, and having discussions with several of their media members and guys who are close uh, to that team and, and close in that market. Um, Eberflus has a terrific reputation as a great defensive coordinator. I, I, of course, Frank Reich is an offensive minded guy, so I don't know how much input he had into that defense. I think it's safe to say they'll really miss Eberflus. And, um, that's another point for the Titans in the continuity department against an AFC contender, specifically their, their main contender in the South. Then you look at the Buffalo bills and I'm not going to give a huge point to the Titans for this, but Uh, They are losing offensive coordinator Brian Dable, who agreed to become the head coach of the New York Giants. 
Uh, credit the Bills because they did secure the promotion of quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator Ken Dorsey. Um, and they named him their new offensive coordinator on Tuesday afternoon. It uh, qualifies as a win for the Bills because Brian Dable really wanted to bring Dorsey with him to East Rutherford to be the offensive coordinator. Of the Isaiah Giants. McKenzie with that tweeted, said, had a great tweet that was like, nothing like that Dorsey energy on the sidelines or something. So Bills players are excited. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and Josh Allen really publicly campaigned for Dorsey to get the job. The 40-year-old Ken Dorsey, by the way, who I feel old because I, I kind of remember him playing in the league, right? He had, he had a seven-year playing career. He was drafted in the seventh round by the 49ers, I think back in 03. And by the way, his playing career ended in 2010 as a member of the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL. Shout out the wonderful city of Toronto. Shout out the CFL. I have no known ties to the city of Toronto, but I am a big fan of Canada and the city in general. Some say that Dorsey's experience in Toronto really catapults him to become a better human being and coach. I am not saying that, but some do. I think you got to give him that. (laughs) Outside of that, no, um, back on topic. Uh, I, I do give the Bills, of course. I, I'm not going to give the Titans a huge point here on the continuity department because I do think the Bills did a really good job salvaging, so to speak, the Dable departure by retaining Ken Dorsey. With that said, it's still a new offensive coordinator, and they are losing a big part of what they did offensively from a coaching perspective in Dable. So there are, those are three AFC uh, teams um, who are losing really important members of their franchise. Dable in Buffalo, McDaniels in New England, Eberflus in uh, Indianapolis. And the thing's not over yet, right? Who knows? The Kansas City Chiefs might still lose Eric Bieniemy, or, or, uh, or, 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 and so on. So uh, really, really, the Cincinnati Bengals might lose the defensive coordinator, right? I think he interviewed for a head coaching job. So uh, the Titans will have continuity in 2022 on the offensive and defensive staff in the ball. And you'd like to think that that sets them up somewhat nicely. I don't know how much it means, but it is a good thing. And uh, Ryan Poles as well, who was the executive director of player personnel for the Chiefs, is now the general manager yeah. of the Bears. Ooh. The Titan. Also, the Bills lost their assistant general manager, Joe to Shane. It's pronounced Shane, by the way. If you've seen how it's spelled, you're probably like, how, how is he saying it? It is pronounced Shane. So assistant general manager, Joe Shane, who goes over to the Giants, right, to take their vacant GM job, and he brought Gable with him. So, And Leslie Frazier, by the way, Bills defensive coordinator, is still a candidate for a couple of these jobs as well. So we may not be done here with the uh, mass exodus of AFC uh, coordinators and, and assistant general managers and whatnot. So, and, and by the way, Ryan Cowden and Monty Austinfort are staying in Tennessee, right? Two front office executives that interviewed, I think, for the Vikings job, the Giants job, and I think the Bears job as well. So continuity all along for the Titans. And I don't care if you don't think it doesn't mean a lot, Retain hiring and retaining good people is always going to be a good thing. And the Titans are in this position that the Bills are now in last year or somewhat with the loss of an offensive coordinator and promoting someone on staff. And we saw the Titans offense take a pretty large step back without Art Smith. So we'll see (laughs) where. So exactly. Another point why you'd be foolish to assume that Dorsey is guaranteed to just step seamlessly into the role. With that said, I do expect Josh Allen will make him look brilliant no matter what. But at the same time, you bring up a good point there. It shows you that nothing is ever guaranteed. Exactly. So let's talk about how the Titans can use that continuity to become a better football team, especially in the postseason, because John Robinson spoke at the Senior Bowl today. Jim Wyatt put out an article with lots of quotes, and it appears that Ryan Tannehill will be the Titans quarterback in 2022. 
With the retirement of Ben Roethlisberger, he is now the oldest quarterback in the AFC. So more continuity there for the Titans, even if a lot of fans at the moment don't want continuity at quarterback or offensive coordinator. It looks like we're going to get it. So how do the Titans take the next step then? How do they compete with these young guns? Because I feel like you get into the playoffs when you got the matchup of Ryan Tannehill versus any playoff quarterback. What playoff quarterback are you going to look at Ryan Tannehill and say, he's the better one, I'm taking him? Not Justin Herbert, not Joe Burrow, not Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen. I mean, if they play the Colts or the Raiders, maybe. They, I mean, that's where you're at right now. I, I would say the Patriots with Mac Jones. Patriots with Mac Jones. Uh, Colts with Carson Wentz. Steelers. And I'm barely counting them, but they were a playoff team in 2021. So they're Lamar Jackson's still and out I'll there. I mean, you. there's still guys that didn't make the play. Oh, you still got Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. There's plenty of guys that didn't even make the playoffs yeah. that you take over Ryan Tannehill right now. So. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to get into this debate or argument, but I'm not convinced that they would have the advantage over the Raiders. Right. I thought Derek Carr played some pretty damn good football in 2021. He, 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 and he'll probably only get better under Josh McDaniels. Probably. He does seem to shrink, I mean, under in big moments, Derek Carr. Like on fourth downs, he likes to throw the ball away or target players short of the sticks on fourth and goal and throw interceptions that end his team season. But hey, Ryan Tannehill and Derek Carr, both throwing season-ending interceptions for their team, something they have in common there. But I do think that when you look at this Titans team, you have to run it back with Ryan Tannehill this year. Maybe you draft somebody. We talked about this last week. Maybe you draft a mid-round guy to try to develop. But for the most part, Tannehill's your starting quarterback next year. I know there's a lot of love for Carson Strong on the timeline. He's probably going to have a meteoric rise throughout draft season, just like we see happen to one player, it seems like, almost every year. So he may not even be in play for the Titans by the time April, late April rolls around. I know a lot of Titans fans are high on him right now, playing at the Senior Bowl this weekend, if you want to check that out. But when it comes to what the Titans can actually do in 2022 with the same starting quarterback, I think the answer is fairly obvious. You get a real tight end, someone who can block and catch the ball, and if that's a free agent or a draft pick, it doesn't really matter to me. You upgrade the tight end position massively. You upgrade your wide receiver depth so that if Julio Jones's hamstring falls off the bone or if A.J. Brown takes a huge hit because he's a physical player and has to miss a few plays or a game or two, you have real depth there that can come in and get open and even provide an option when those guys are healthy as a legitimate third receiver that can grow and eventually replace Julio as your wide receiver too across from A.J. Brown. So I'm looking at this Titans team and I'm thinking... You add a tight end who's a real weapon and a matchup nightmare, someone like a Jonu Smith who's athletic, who can block, who can make big plays over the middle and after the catch, and you go and get a real uh, wide receiver that you can pair with A.J. Brown for the next five to ten years as opposed to an aging future Hall of Famer who's not going to give you much, who wasn't even on the play on the field for the final play, offensive play of the season. So I don't know what else the Titans can do right now other than just hope that things break their way in the playoffs hope that if ryan Tannehill struggles again in the postseason that the defense can make the play that you need or the special teams play can happen because otherwise i'm kind of at a loss here it's not like ryan Tannehill's suddenly going to turn into patrick mahomes you know so what else do you do as the titans i think you're right and it's a it's a grim topic to discuss right because it doesn't set up very favorably for the titans if you read John Robinson's uh, comments that were published on Tuesday afternoon, and, and a lot of it was just typical coach speak, general manager speak, where I think he started every answer with, we're going to evaluate and work through some things, but he's certainly backed Ryan Tannehill. He was not afraid to say he's our quarterback. He's playing as well as he's ever played and he's tough and he's our leader and he's made so many plays for us and yada, yada. 
And look, we knew that with the financial commitment that they have to Tannehill, that he is extremely, I would say, 99.9% chance of being the Titans starting quarterback in 2022. With that being the case, I think you're right. I don't think you have another way forward. I think you go out and get a really good tight end. Luckily, this draft is, is potentially loaded with them. And I'm not opposed to looking at free agency as well to get a more proven guy in, by the way. And I also think you add a, a legitimate number two slash three receiver. Ideally, I think someone that could operate both from the slot and outside. You're seeing a lot more of that in today's game. And I think you bring in someone that can start in the slot for you this season uh, in 2022 with the potential to eventually replace Julio maybe on the outside in the future. Uh, or you can keep him in the slot because let's be honest, some of the best NFL receivers today, Cooper Cup, yada, yada, they do the majority of their damage in the slot anyway. So it's not a prerequisite that he has to be able to play on the outside, but I don't think it would hurt if you can get someone with that kind of versatility. But uh, that's that's the way forward for them, in, at least in 2022, right? You go out and you upgrade your personnel offensively. You, you certainly have to upgrade that tight. That whole room might need revamping, truthfully. With Anthony Furkser, Jeff Swain, uh, Michael Pruitt, Tommy Hudson, you, you need more than one, right? Like doing, getting one's probably not enough. You need to get two of them. Uh, and then you absolutely need to get a receiver that qualifies as an upgrade on the group that includes Chester Rogers and Nick and Westbrook. Marcus right? Johnson, that played quite a bit of football. Stay healthy and guys like yeah, that. I mean, I'm, Marcus Johnson, I mean, pfft, uh, not even really worth mentioning uh, given the injury uh, issues that he had in 2021. And his whole career, I'm not looking just more at the guys. His whole, yeah. his whole career since coming out of Texas, you're not wrong about that. But I'm more looking at the guys that played significant snaps, right? The Chester Rogers, the Nick Westbrooks. I think you got to get a more, as much as they love Westbrook and they talk about how hard he works and how he blocks. Look, he can still have a role on the team, but I do think you need to get a, a more talented receiver that possesses more natural athletic ability uh, than those guys do. Someone that could really give you 60, 70, 80% of snaps every week. Uh, and, and is not uh, at a disadvantage, right? When he's staring down the opposing corner that lines they up. They need a guy that can take any touch to the house. They need their Rondale Moore, third round, fourth round, second round, whatever. They don't have a second round pick, but figure it out, trade around, move around. Somebody that can get down the field, take the top off a of defense and take any touch to the house. And they've needed that for years and they haven't been able to find that guy. Uh, I think they need a, a like... <laughs> I mean, that's great. And there are those types in this draft, right? You can look at Jahan Dotson from Penn State, who's very much built in that mold. But, you know, I'm, keep it simple. They just need a really good receiver, right? Go get Chris Olave from Ohio State. Go get Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Go get Jamison Wilson from Alabama. Heck, go get John Mechie uh, from Alabama. Shout out Brampton, Ontario, Canada, Mechie's hometown. Uh, go get one of those four right there. Uh, who I prefer personally to, to Dotson. And, and you know, you and I will get into a lot of draft talk in, in the coming weeks and months. So it's obviously my bread and butter throughout the year. So I'm looking forward to that. But go get one of these elite playmakers at the receiver position that this draft has. And they're, and they're available in every round. David Bell is intriguing. Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. I'm super excited to watch him at the Senior Bowl this week. Uh, he's a small school guy that put up electric numbers. 82 catches last year for South Alabama. More than 1,400 receiving yards, eight touchdowns. I dove into the tape recently. The guy makes plays on a snap-by-snap basis. He was their offense. Really excited to see him go up against bigger competition throughout the week in the Senior Bowl. But go and get one of these guys. Uh, in the draft early, you know, first, second round, move back, as you said, pick up another day two pick. This draft has to go heavy and, uh, and, and this draft has to go heavy on offense and it has to happen early and often, right? That That's the way I feel. But I am curious to see if they do anything with this quarterback class. 
I really am. All we know, John Robinson loves the Senior Bowl. We've joked about it in the past. He's there right now, of course, in Mobile. And the quarterback class that credit Jim Nagy in the Senior Bowl because they pretty much got every big gun down there. I mean, you got Kenny Pickett down there. You got Malik Willis down there. You got Carson Strong down there. You got Sam Howell down there. The only um, you know high end quarterback prospect that's not there is, is Matt Corral from Ole Miss. So ton of credit to Matt Nagy for or sorry Jim Nagy, uh, not. Not Matt Nagy used to coach the Bears. No credit to Matt Nagy <laughs> at all. The Bears, they hate him in Chicago. Credit to Jim Nagy for the job that he did getting this quarterback class down there to Mobile, Alabama, because uh, it's going to give all these evaluators a front row seat to this quarterback class, John Robinson especially. And Carson Strong had a great first day from what we heard. Kenny Pickett obviously had a good first day as well. So it, I am curious. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback too early. But we we might be silly to totally rule it out, right? So that that, that unpredictability can be yeah, fun. Yeah, and I I think personally that they won't do it. But as far as what I would like to see, go if if they think one of these guys in this class can be a franchise changing player, don't draft a quarterback just to draft one because, like you said, they need to nail some early and often good offense additions here to take this team to the next level next season. And it's tough to rely on rookies to really come in and contribute, you know, most of the time you're lucky if one guy becomes a starter by the end of the season. You look at the last few draft classes the Titans had, A.J. Brown started to contribute by the end of the season. Jeffrey Simmons and Nate Davis got in the game, but it took them like an entire season off. Obviously, Simmons coming off a torn ACL, and then you had Christian Fulton get an interception, I think in his second NFL game off a tipped pass, but then missed most of the year. His rookie year, he got Caleb Farley tearing his ACL, and really the only rookie that contributed a lot this past season was Elijah Molden. So anyway, long story short, maybe they do take a quarterback. Maybe they say these receivers wouldn't help us this year anyway, so let's take someone who's going to help us in 2023, and maybe that's a quarterback. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't expect it, but we can't rule it out entirely. And that's kind of fun, isn't it? Like it makes the draft process a little bit more fun. Like I, I think you'd be lying if, you know, come April, I can remember when the first round is April 26, 27, whatever it is. When that Titans pick comes on the clock, you know, assuming they don't trade out of it and you got to wait till day two, which they could. But when that Titans pick comes on the clock, there's the, at, at least a tiny chance that they're going to say the word quarterback, right? So uh, call me crazy, but the unpredictability, it's fun to, it's fun to wait on. It certainly is. All right, that'll do it for this episode. We'll be back next week to really dive into the Super Bowl, I guess, and other Titans offseason needs because the Super Bowl is uh, just over a week away. I guess it's just under two weeks. Oh, whatever. Don't read into the timeline too much. We'll be back next week with more Titans talk and NFL talk in general. Until then, you guys know where to find us. Justin's on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. You know that by now. We appreciate you guys listening as long as you have today. During the offseason, it's not the most exciting time, but it can be when changes start happening to the roster, and that's only a few weeks away. So we'll get into all that free agency stuff coming up right around the corner. And I'm starting the process of what I do every single year. If you've ever followed me along over these past six, seven years of, of working in football, I'm interviewing the NFL draft class. Here we go. It's something I, I started doing, I think, back in maybe 2017 or 2016. It's kind of been my thing. Here we are. I'm about to embark on this journey once again. 100 plus interviews coming over these next two and a half months with the draft class. I've already began the process. Published interviews with one of the receivers that I, I was bigging up on earlier on this show, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. Uh, I did Oregon defensive back Verone McKinley the other day. 
and, and, and there's a lot more coming. So uh, pray for me. I'm not going to sleep much over these next couple of months, but I hope you follow along with the series and you enjoy it because I will be talking to a lot of future Titans. I, I know you're interested in this show. It might be from a Titans perspective, but if you followed the interview series along last year, you would have known that I interviewed Dylan Radins before he became a Titan. You would have known that I interviewed Elijah Molden before he became a Titan, right? If you followed along the year before, you would have known that I interviewed Christian Fulton before he became a Titan, Darrington Evans before he became a Titan, unfortunately, Isaiah Wilson before he became a <laughs> Titan, and several other Titans draft picks throughout the years. I, I did David Long uh, before he became a Titan and, and, and so many others. So uh, I hope you follow along with the series and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Yeah, we, we appreciate you, Justin, getting those interviews in. It is draft season. Too soon for the Titans, who, after watching the championship games last weekend, probably feel like they could be in the Super Bowl if Ryan Tannehill just gets them into field goal range with 30 seconds uh, a couple weeks ago instead of turning the ball over there. So, sad way to end the year with the way Patrick Mahomes melted down in the AFC Championship game. The Titans could have been the defense responsible for that, but instead, they are not. They are sitting at home. And John Robinson is sitting at the Senior Bowl as we speak. So that'll do it again for this episode. We'll be back next week. Until we are back, you all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.